0: Amen, amen, Thank you, Jess. Amen, everybody. What's up? Y'all feel good? Man, I don't know about you, but I feel good. My name is Alan. I'm one of your pastors here at Whitewater. I'm here to just say hi to anyone who's new in the building. Hello. And if you're watching online, uh, my mom's there, so take care of her. I appreciate you. Um, I don't, look, again, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm hyped today. Like, I'm hyped because this isn't our normal. Yeah, That's good. This isn't our normal service time. We've only got one of these today. We've got food afterwards, and that ain't even the best part. Today, we got some people committing their life to Jesus Christ through baptism. Ah! Woo! Yeah, you can give it up because we'll be doing a lot of that today. Um, So, you know, get your hands warmed up. As a matter of fact, let's get our voices warmed up too. Somebody say welcome home. That's right! Here, here at Whitewater, we call Baptism Sundays, Homecoming Sundays. Because we know that when you decide to give your life to Jesus, you are coming back home to a loving, generous, patient, wise, powerful, almighty father who knows that a relationship with him will give you strength to endure life's hardships. A relationship with him... Will 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 give you presence, will give you hope when all hope seems lost. His lamp will provide a supernatural light even in the dark times, and his wisdom will not only help you survive, but will help your community thrive. Ask anybody else who's been in a relationship with Jesus for a while, being a part of God's family is not just where you belong, it's where you were always meant to be. Yeah. So good. So actually, uh, you know, the thought of this service coming up, homecoming, uh, reminded me of this amazing movie called Instant Family. Y'all heard of it? Y'all heard of this movie? Um, It's with Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne. It's about this couple who fosters a set of siblings. A teenager named Lizzie, her younger brother named Juan, and their baby sister named Lita. And honestly, dude, I love this movie because I'm a sucker for films that make my face leak and my my snot with my snot and my tears. Cause I don't care how tough you are, how many know it feels good to ugly cry every once in a while. He excited. That's what I'm talking about. If we don't do that today, I don't I don't know. Okay, so this movie. Uh, does, does this uh, make us feel cry, you know, make us cry and weep and things like that by introducing us to these parents who can't have biological children of their own. So they foster these three adorable but rowdy kids, uh, and so throughout the movie, they make mistakes. They fight, they have fun, they learn about each other. But I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Uh, just when you think that this instant family is going to be torn apart, the youngest one, Lita, asks, Can we go home now? And with toilet paper to wipe my face because we're too cheap to buy Kleenex, these loving parents invite these kids into their home officially through adoption. (laughs) It's good. It's a good ending. Look, look, if you're here today because you feel like God has been tugging on your heart lately or if during this message something bubbles up inside of you, that's the question I'd like you to ponder. Can you go home now? Can he go home now? I'm kidding. Keep him here. You want me to hold him? He just wants to rock out. I'm saying, he just wants to rock out. He's excited. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Look. That's the question I'd like you to ponder if you feel like God's been tugging on your heart. Because adoption is a gigantic theme in the Bible. God has invited us into his family. His one and only son paid the price for it, and now, because of your free will, you get to decide whether or not you accept his invitation through baptism. There ain't nothing special or magical about the water. It's the heart of your decision to come home that will change your life forever. Okay? But, <laughs> yeah. But before we get into it, let's pray. Father, Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we are excited. We thank you for babies running around on stage. We thank you for we thank you for kids being here. We thank you for the whole family being in here because we know that you are all about your family and we want to be a part of it. Heavenly Father, I ask that you let any devil or any any demon around here to tell them to shut up and get out because this is a house of the Lord, not not they are not here for you. And so, heavenly Father, we ask you for your protection in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. It's good. Are y'all ready to read the Bible? Okay, let's get into it. If you have your Bible, please get get it out, or if you need one, we'll get you one today. Um, your Bibles and your Bible apps, open them to Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. All right, uh, who wants to read over here? You guys, can, nope, okay. All right. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured onto us who belong to his dear son. So, fam, uh, before we break down this passage, I want to give you some context about the writer of this letter. If you don't know about him, um, his name is Paul. Before he was an apostle, though, he was a Pharisee named Saul, who was highly trained in Jewish laws and customs. He was educated, bold, a leader among his peers, and was a Roman citizen with Jewish blood, which made him pretty unique. But, man, not only did he hate Christians, he led campaigns to have them killed, Literally dragging Christ followers out of their homes to have them stoned to death. Think Darth Vader, Hans Gruber, and Thanos all combined into one person and he was the the villain in the story. But one day, he was walking with a few people when a really intense light flashed on him in the eyes. And think of those times at the dentist when you're sitting there with the hanging light above your head like that. That light, multiply that by 9,000. And Saul, because of the light, fell to the ground. He completely loses his vision and hears the voice of Jesus say, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus tells him to go to a town called Damascus where a godly man named Ananias was waiting for him. Remember, he was blind at this point, so the people he was with led him to Ananias, who gave him this message. Acts twenty-two fourteen through 16. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone that what you have seen and heard. Man, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by the calling on the name of the Lord. If you think that you've done too many wrong, terrible, or awful things to follow Jesus, I'm here to tell you that God doesn't judge you based on what you've done in your past, but on the way you follow Christ in the future. Jesus, yeah, Jesus uses Saul's uses past to reach thousands of people who would have never known about the forgiving love of God. He goes on to write one-third of the New Testament that is being used by us today. And he's credited by being the apostle to the Gentiles, meaning he specifically took the good news to people of non-Jewish descent. What I'm trying to say is God's grace is greater than our disgrace. If a murderer of Christians like Saul could be transformed by the power of God, then dang it, so can you. Now, after Saul gets his instructions from Jesus to go travel and preach to to non-Jews, he goes on to change his name to his Roman name, Paul. He establishes a bunch of churches, one of them being the church in Ephesus, where he spends three years with the Christ followers there. So this letter that we're reading is a message to already established Christians in the area. So when we hear that first line in our passage, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ, it's a good reminder of what our role is as followers of Jesus. We praise God because we're united with Christ. Now, here's the thing. I'm not here to try to deter anyone from getting baptized, but I want us to see how serious baptism is. Because the word united is used in Scripture a lot, but the one that sticks out to me is in Genesis 2:24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two are united as one. Being united with Jesus means that you are committed to him as if you were in a marriage. And that comes with all the fun stuff that happens in a committed relationship. You know, being each other's best friend, learning more about each other as the years go by, and having a person who's always there for you when other people aren't. But that also comes with the tough stuff, like having faith in him even though it seems like he's abandoned you. Defending him in a world where people don't like him, or being focused on him when other things are always trying to get your attention. I'm going to be real with y'all. Being in a relationship with Jesus can sometimes be tough, but most of the time it's impossible. But yo, it's worth it. The supreme blessing of your eternal salvation outweighs the minor benefit of living a hollow life here on earth without God. When Paul writes about Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, he is recognizing that, yes, there are physical blessings in this earthly realm that we can totally get down with, but it pales in comparison to what Jesus offers with the kingdom of heaven. I promise you that the Holy Spirit is a better friend than that person you've known since kindergarten who knows all your secrets. Jesus is above every other physician, doctor, therapist, or government leader, and God can move mountains and part oceans. What can the Jonas Brothers do? These earthly, worldly things can only make you happy for a moment at a time. A life with Jesus gives you joy which lasts for eternity, and that's a lot of love right there. Now, see, I've had a fear of abandonment since I was five years old, and that's left me with a lot of of trust issues. I've been working with a therapist for a while about it, but when I first heard about this unconditional type of love, I was like, yo, this is mad suspicious. Or as Gen Z would say, mad sus." Oh, Gen Z actually said, oh, my God. Did you hear that? I asked, why bother trying to get awful dudes like me who cheated on his ex-wife, who used to lie constantly to get his way, and who was a porn addict for a lot of years to be a part of your family? It makes no sense. But the answer is right here in verse 4 of our passage. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. It was a choice he made before the earth was formed, before the sun was created, before the universe took shape, he chose you. More specifically, he knew we would mess up, but because of his love for us, he created a plan from the beginning to send his son to die in place for us so we can have a right relationship with him as it was always intended. Parents, there's a lot of you here right now. If your kids haven't thanked you yet, let me represent them right now. Thank you for loving your kids even when you don't have to. Because there are kids out there who don't know what it's like to have loving parents. Maybe you were one of them. So thank you for your patience, for your gentleness, and for your strength. And even when you love the heck out of your kids, there are still times when parents and kids seem more like enemies than family. But God knows exactly what that's like. In Romans 5.10, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? When Adam and Eve sinned against God and disobeyed him, humanity, his own creations, became his enemies. That's why when you read the Old Testament in your Bibles, you see animal sacrifices all over the place. These animals were meant to take the place of the person. So, when they are sacrificed at an altar by a priest, only then could you be made right in the eyes of God. And because humans are always making mistakes and bad decisions, it was like Groundhog Day. You know, they had to do this over and over and over again. And even then, there was no guarantee that you were actually apologetic for the bad things you did. Because as long as you paid your parking ticket with a goat or a lamb or a pigeon, according to Jewish law, you were scot-free until you sinned again. That's exhausting. But, praise God because it was his divine choice to do away with that whole process to make you and I holy with no fault without having to sacrifice any animals because Jesus became that sacrifice for us. Not just for one sin or one mistake, but for all of it. Not for the sake of convenience, but for the sake of just being able to have a real relationship with your heavenly Father. How many know that relationships are easier to have when the rules don't prevent you from getting closer to each other? It doesn't matter. It, Yeah. It doesn't matter if it was in biblical times or all culture now. Religious law can never get you closer to God. Your relationship with him is a choice. He chose you. Now, will you choose him? And not just today on Baptism Sunday. I mean, like, daily. Fam, we are so lucky because there are no prerequisites to God's love, and Jesus made it so that we're, not, we're allowed to not only approach God, but are encouraged to spend time with him frequently. If you decide to come home and follow Jesus today through baptism... Just know that the only thing you need to do afterwards is to spend time with him. Look, I know it might be confusing when someone tells you, uh, spend time with someone you can't see or touch physically in this earthly realm, but spending time with God simply means a few things. And this may be old news to some of you, but I always like being reminded of things, so I hope this encourages all of us. These are some of my personal ways I spend time with God. Number one, pray. And I don't mean with fancy-smancy words or spoken word hip hop or with the priest telling you what prayers to recite. I mean just have a conversation with him just like you would with any family or friend. Y'all ever been to lunch with someone you love? You're relaxed, you're stuffing your faces with a you pick two from Panera, and you're just talking about life. Just start by talking to your heavenly Father like that. Number 2, man, read the Bible. God talks back to us through his word. You can know more about him. He gives you wisdom and truth. You can receive his encouragement. And I don't know about anybody else here, but I feel absolutely loved when I read God's word. But I get it. The Bible can seem intimidating and even outdated, but right now there are some versions of it that can help you understand what God's trying to say. So don't be afraid to ask us or the people around you here to help you find a Bible you can read and understand. And just personal advice for me, start off by reading about Jesus. Number three, the last one, be open. God will use godly people to speak to you, so be open to what they have to say. Find Jesus followers who don't just follow Jesus, but act like Jesus, and ask them good questions. Community is a huge part about being a follower of Christ because you can't do it alone. If you need a tangible next step into finding others to walk with you and being in community, consider coming to our Thursday night summit series, Surrendered, starting this Thursday, where we learn together how to not just be a follower of Jesus, but to be his disciple. Growing Learning and being open. Open to the upside down nature of the kingdom of heaven. Be open to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in your life. Be open to the changes. Be open to the hardship. Be open to the process. Life transformation doesn't just happen after you get out of those waters. It happens after you start listening to Jesus and his advocate, the Holy Spirit. And once you start listening, hearing, applying, and believing, Jesus, he becomes your family. In verse 5 of our passage, it says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Right now, I just want to acknowledge some folks. If you've ever fostered or adopted any kids at any point in your life, will you please stand? Fostered or adopted. Yeah. Give it up. Thank you. Amen. Amen amen thank you not only are you all giving kids a chance but you are exemplifying for us what god has been doing since jesus died on the cross so genuinely thank you how many know that adoption can be a difficult process there are financial fees applications interviews house visits evaluations and that's not even adopting overseas Think about God having to adopt from a different realm. That's crazy. And I'm not talking about anything spooky or weird. I'm just saying that God is in heaven and we're here on earth. But knowing what he knew, it says that God decided in advance that he would adopt you into his family. A family that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. AmericanAdoption.com says that in the state of Ohio, children who are 12 or older must give their consent to the adoption. So God drafted and signed all the documentation. Jesus paid every fee with his life, and now you get to consent to it. It says in our passage Hey, bud, you want to preach the word? I love him. No, he's awesome. Don't be embarrassed. You know, it says in our passage that that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to adopt us, and it gave him great pleasure. If there have been any patterns for you lately where you see or hear the name of Jesus in places you never thought you would, then Jesus is probably trying to call you home. If you just can't stop thinking about God, then it means your adoption is probably near or here. But I understand if, if baptism is something you want to do, even if coming home is something you want to do, there might be some barriers or questions you have about baptism. And as someone who's had a lot of questions themselves before getting in the water, I'm, gonna let those, I'm not going to let those stop you from being in the loving arms of your heavenly dad. So let's make sense of some of these together, okay? Number one, why do I need to get baptized? Doesn't God know my heart already? Let me put it like this. If your parents never told anyone about you uh, and denied you existed, would you feel loved? If you consider someone your best friend, but you never mentioned their name in front of anybody else, is that real friendship? Is a romantic relationship even real if it isn't public on Facebook? (laughs) When you tell other people you love someone publicly, it shows that you love them in every situation, in every circumstance, in every scene of your life, you're not ashamed to love that person. Baptism is an open declaration for you to say publicly, I love God and I know that he loves me too. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 10, 32, 33. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I'm also going to deny before my Father in heaven. It's not enough for you to just believe in Jesus in your head. It has to drop into your heart. There's always a corresponding action to love. Inner work manifests in outward expression. Getting baptized and coming home is you saying, the love of God is too good to keep to myself. So right now, if you feel the need to acknowledge God as your Lord publicly, think of that water as your microphone. Number two, I was baptized as a baby. Do I need to do it again? Okay. I was about five months old when I was baptized in a Catholic church in Chicago. I was a very thick, round baby, and my mom had me all dressed up in white, so it kind of looked like the priest was pouring water on a dinosaur egg in my baptism. And, and look, I understand the purpose, and I thank God that my family cared enough about me to set up a baptism. But out of all the great theological debates about babies being baptized, the one thing we could be sure about is that it is never the baby's decision to follow Jesus. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into. So your family... My mom, they all had great intentions, but it was their decision, not mine or yours. We never read anything in scripture about infants being immersed. And just because a baby is baptized doesn't mean they're going to grow up loving Jesus. Part of my testimony is that I left the Catholic faith when I was 18, not because my family didn't attend church regularly, not because I hated going to Catholic school, but because I didn't know God, not for real. I knew how to pray the Hail Mary, I knew the act of contrition. I knew the right words to say in confession, but I didn't know how to talk to God. There are people who can know about Jesus, the Bible character, and not Jesus, the risen Savior. There are all sorts of Christians in the world who think that Christ died in a story, but don't know that he's alive right now. In Proverbs 4-7, it says, And in all you're getting, get understanding. And so, if you fully grasp and understand what baptism means in your heart, it's now your turn as a person who can make logical decisions for themselves Jesus is calling me to come home right now. What am I going to do about it? Number three, I made the decision to get baptized before, and I did, but now I feel like I should do it again. Look, if you're getting a gut punch from the Holy Spirit and are feeling the need to rededicate your life to Jesus, I say go for it. Biblically, there's no record of anyone getting baptized again and again until the Christianness just sticks. But if you finally understand the true commitment and responsibility of being a Jesus follower and want to come back home to dad, then getting in the water today is a tangible way to recommit. Because rebuilding a relationship with God is worth celebrating. And then number four, I need my life together first before I get baptized. Uh, my mentor used to say this all the time, John Tizovich, you don't get cleaned up to take a bath, you take a bath to get cleaned up. It's true. It's true. Water is used to cleanse, revitalize, and refresh. So, drug addictions, marital problems, childhood trauma, depression, pride, financial worries, obsession with money, anxiety, loneliness, family drama, pornography, sexual immorality, witchcraft, these are all things that you take in the water with you. Consider this as the first step in your relationship with Jesus, learning how to take all these battles and offering it to God. Romans 6.4 says it like this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. Somebody say new lives. New lives. Woo! The enemy wants you to think. The enemy wants you to think that because of the mistakes of the past, you have no value in the kingdom of heaven. When in reality, the things that you went through are the things God is going to use to bring more sons and daughters into his family. When you, yes, when you get out of the water after committing yourself fully to Jesus, you leave your old life without him behind. And now you get to live a new life with him and as an adopted son and adopted daughter. Guys, adoption is powerful. God choosing and deciding in advance to bring us into his family is a huge deal. See, I'm going to teach again, okay? Back in biblical times, the Roman version of parenthood and adoption were a little different. Paul is writing the passage we're studying from a Roman cultural perspective. I want to read an article to you from Alatea.org by writer Ellen Maddy on adoption. Check this out. Check this out. In ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning. When a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. Some of us said amen just now. The relationship, therefore, was not necessarily desired by the parent, nor permanent. Not so, however, if a child was adopted. In Rome, adopting a child meant, one, that child was freely chosen by the parents, desired by the parents. And two, that child would be a permanent part of the family. Parents could not disown the child they adopted an adopted child received a new identity. Any prior commitments, responsibilities, and debts were erased. New rights and responsibilities were taken on. Also, in ancient Rome, the concept of inheritance was a part of life, not something that began with death. So being adopted made someone an heir to their father, joint sharers in all his possessions, and fully united with him. And just because I'm excited, I want to add this as a tagline to the article from Galatians 4.7. It reads, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. If you are accepting your adoption today, or if you've already been adopted by God, just know that you are an heir to the free gift of salvation paid by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You now, you now have authority over demons. You can take your thoughts captive. You can access the full armor of God, and you have resurrection power within you. You don't have to suffer through the darkness of life alone anymore because Jesus says in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. You don't have to labor or be burdened alone because Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, I will give you rest. You don't have to constantly seek fleeting happiness because Jesus says in John 15, 11, if you remain in me, your joy will overflow. Somebody yell out, welcome home. The last line, the last line of our passage in verse 6, it says, so we praise God. For the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Y'all, there are people who are getting in that water in the next five minutes to declare that the Holy Spirit is their friend, that Jesus is their king, and that God is their father. There are some of you right now who literally this very second just decided, I'm not just going to consent to my adoption into the family of God today. I'm going to live it out for the rest of my life. To those of you who are already a part of God's family, yo, we still got a role to play in the next hour, okay? We're not here just to watch. We're here to lift up and cover up our new brothers and sisters in prayer. 2 Corinthians ten five says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We're here to celebrate new life, but we're also here to fight the enemy. We're here to worship God, and we're also here to ask him for protection. So, we're going to praise God. We're going to praise him as if he's transforming lives right now. We're going to praise him as if our family just got bigger. We're going to worship him because he didn't have to just create us. He chose us. And if you're going to get in the water for the first time, all of us here are honored to be a part of this moment in your life right now. There are beautiful people lined up right here on the side of the stage to help you get in the back. If you need a change of clothes, it's okay. We've got you. If you want a family member or a friend to go with you, bring them along. If you're ready to come home, if you're ready for a real committed relationship with your Heavenly Father, I'll meet you in the water. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, We thank you so much for today. We are hype. We are excited for life transformation. Father God, I ask for protection. Father God, I ask that whatever doubts, whatever barriers, that you remove them right now with your mighty hand. We are here, we are ready, and we are on fire. We're going to praise you like nothing else. We're going to use our hands and our bodies and our words and and our minds and our thoughts. So God, we love you today. We worship you. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.